We've often asked folks on our Facebook site, what would you like to hear about? And top of the list was, can you deal with some of these philosophies? What about social justice versus racial justice? What about LGBTQIA+, what about gender theory? What about wokeness and critical race theory? Welcome to the Scripture Plain Reason Podcast. An engaging podcast where we affirm the authority and clarity of Scripture. God's Word is true, and God's Word is clear. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Welcome back, listeners. We just finished up our interviews with the interns, and that was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, it was, yeah. And we actually got a ton of listens to that episode. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know which one of those pastoral interns is the most popular and why they had so many downloads, but I think it was like number two of episodes so far. So Thanks go for, interns. Yeah, go interns is right. Thanks for listening to that episode. And uh, we're excited for this one as well. It's going to be probably a little shorter than our typical episodes. Uh, we do want to introduce a new topic that we're going to be going through probably for three or four episodes. Yeah. And then maybe we'll just kick this off with some just back and forth, Brian. What's going on in your life? Well, I don't think we can talk about that yet until we follow up on something that's really big news that broke last week, I think late in the week. But uh, we mentioned this on an episode. We talked about this rumor that the Dolphins at one point <laughs> were trying to talk to the Tom Brady and that they were also talking to um, Sean Payton. Uh, from the New Orleans Saints at the time about maybe having this amazing duo of coach quarterback, like goats of both sources. <laughs> I think we concluded that this was probably all just rumor. Well, I knew that they were trying to get Brady to come be a potential part owner. But as you mentioned, you had heard that they were also trying to get him to be their quarterback. And Turns out it's not a rumor. It's not a rumor at all. And I just wanted to see how you're doing. I know that this has been a tough weekend for you as you processed the penalty that the NFL imposed on the Dolphins and their organizations. And I would like to say to you that I'm empathetic and I'm sad, <laughs> but I'm not. And I kind of wanted to see how you're doing. Yeah. So I'm disappointed in ownership for even trying to get Brady to come to Miami after 20 years of just the hurt he put on this division and, uh, and this football team. So you're sincerely disappointed that they even engaged in conversations about bringing the GOAT to Miami. Completely. And, and I think any Bills or Jets fan would feel the exact same way. That's loyalty right there. So yeah. you are not thinking about the potential wins, Super Bowl rings. It's just the principle of the matter. He has been enemy number one for so long. It caused us so much pain because they continue to win the division that you didn't even like the idea of having a conversation with him. Nope. Not having a conversation with him, not even considering bringing him onto the team. Yeah, I was not a big fan of that. And then it just tumbled even further down for me when I saw the penalty that came down on the Dolphins, which, by the way, very frustrating when your ownership and a part owner or his right hand tries to illegally tamper with individuals and then have the team and the fans get penalized by losing draft picks. You're right. It does not make any sense to me. And to be completely frank, I think you would have more success as an, a league if you actually threatened to tear away ownership rights for things like this as opposed to pulling draft picks away. Yeah. 
And to think that they were actually talking to Tom Brady while he was quarterback for the New England Patriots wasn't afterwards. It was during 2019. And then when he was with the Bucks as well. Wow. You know, I did reflect a little bit. I was trying my best to think of my friend and try to be empathetic with you. And when I started to reflect, I thought, you know what? In my lifetime, I think that the the three major scandals in the NFL, unfortunately, Tom Brady has been in all of them. You think about the spy gate with the Jets. You think about deflate gate. And then you think about this latest one. I don't know what we call this. Brady gate? I would say Ross gate. Specifically, the owner's fault, and I'm really disappointed at him. By the way, interestingly enough, Sean Payton was involved in another major scandal, Bounty Gate. So the Bounty Gate, yep. And the Dolphins were involved in Bully Gate from uh, Richie Incognito bullying the left tackle. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So what is it with Brady and the Dolphins and scandals? Uh, It's pretty sad. I think the NFL doesn't love the Patriots all that much. I don't think they love the Dolphins all that much either. Yeah, surely not now. So you lost a first-round draft pick. First round this year, and I think a third or fourth next year. Thankfully, they had two firsts this year coming up, so they'll still have a first. But I was really hoping that if, for some reason, Tua doesn't work out, that they could use those two picks to move up and get their quarterback of the future. Now they lost one. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Tom Brady's still building a huge mansion in Miami. Right, which means part ownership likely is in his future of the Dolphins. And it's a little disappointing, but certainly not as disappointing as if he would have become a quarterback for the Dolphins. Well, I appreciate you sharing your heart on this. I know it has nothing to do with scripture (laughs) or plain reason, but uh, it is an interest to us. And we had mentioned it on a previous episode, so I thought a follow-up was appropriate. Yeah, uh, it's tough to talk about for sure, but... Football season's upon us, and I definitely can't wait to see what happens this year with the Dolphins. Yeah. So um, we've both been away traveling back and forth. We were able to do that episode with the interns last episode. And uh, what's been going on in your life lately? Yeah, a lot of work travel. Uh, I was away a couple weeks, uh, once in Bellevue, once in Austin. I'll be back in Bellevue later this month potentially a couple other trips here in September and October. So just a lot of travel, just trying to spend as much time with the family as possible if I'm away for a good amount of time throughout the week. Good. How about you? Well, I just got back last night from a week of vacation in Florida. It was hot. And uh, we spent a few days in Orlando, a few days in West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach was beautiful right there on the ocean. Of course, no ocean in Orlando, and about the only thing that everybody thinks of in Orlando is Disney. You know, I I was mindful of something that happened. We were we didn't go to Disney. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to any of the parks. We've never taken our children to any of the parks, and we heard about that while we were there. <laughs> we had this hashtag almost Disney that we were posting on many of our photos. Nice. So we went to Disney Springs, which is just a place where you can have some nice restaurants. They've got some shops, some shops you can yeah. do. And we actually heard that you could ride the monorail around Disney for no charge. And so we got to the location where we could get on the monorail. We're on the monorail. And it hit me, Ryan, that when I was a youth pastor years ago, I had this sermon illustration I used about the family that went to Disney and all they rode was the monorail, the free monorail. They didn't actually go into any of the parks. 
And it hit me that we're that family. And it didn't hit you until you were actually on the monorail? On the monorail. (laughs) And I took a picture of a few of us in the monorail and I posted it on social media. And I had some teens, or not teens anymore, that were in the youth group at the time and they remembered the sermon illustration. Oh, that's great. It's that moment where you realize you are that sermon illustration. (laughs) And my kids still have not gone to Disney. And again, I just reminded them that, hey, it was almost Disney. So for future families that want to take this approach, talk to me about where the monorail takes you. Does it literally take you over Magic Kingdom and all the different parks? You get to see the entire park and you can get off at the various locations and kind of drool um, you can go to the Polynesian or the Grand Floridian, yeah. and you can stop at these locations and walk through those parts of – it's not the park. It's these resorts that are surrounding the park. Sure. You can see Magic Kingdom. You can see Epcot. You can see the other places and just kind of know what you're missing. So as you do it with your family, it's a reminder to everybody in the family that we got really close to Disney, but we were almost Disney. That sounds awful. It was it was awful and ironic and it was frugal all at the same time because I didn't pay anything to Disney except for what I bought for food at Disney Springs. Hmm. Well, at least you got to enjoy a beautiful state and a state that, you know, typically is hot around the summertime, but as you said, you got to visit the beach at West Palm Springs, and I'm sure that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a good time. I also had some time. It's always nice on vacation to have a little more time to meditate on the scriptures, to read, to reflect. And, you know, one thing I was reflecting on is a passage in Hebrews. We've been going through Hebrews for our men's Bible study that you and I are part of mm-hmm. on Friday mornings. And in Hebrews 2, he gives this warning about not drifting. And um, he says, you know, don't let these things drift by. If the word given to the Old Testament saints was validated with strict punishments, if it was disregarded, how much more if you neglect your present salvation that we have in Christ? Mm -hmm. And so he talks about this possibility of drifting. And the book of Hebrews warns, it has these sprinkled passages, as you remember, that warns believers about the possibility of wandering, of drifting, and ultimately becoming disbelieving Mm -hmm. and doubting. And it can lead to ultimately what the warning is there is apostasy and and leaving the faith and denying the faith. And it got me thinking, Ryan, just about our current cultural moment where you hear in Christianity a lot of lately about people who are deconstructing People who are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm really taking everything apart and trying to come down to what's really important and things that I believed in the past, I'm really second-guessing all of them. And so this deconstructing oftentimes leads to only demolition. You don't hear about many Christians who, you know, deconstruct and then they reconstruct. Right. Unfortunately, most of the time it ends up in a complete abandonment of the faith, mm-hmm. which the Bible calls apostasy. And just what I I wanted to share with you is what I was reflecting on is how that when I've talked to believers who are in this deconstruction mode, there seems to be one common denominator often is they have begun to drift and they have begun to lay the path or kind of what I call the asphalt 
of apathy. They begin to lay this highway of indifference towards the very common means of grace that keep our hearts tender to the Lord, like reading their Bible, like being in prayer, like gathering with God's church every Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. And so these common means of grace, we call them, have been neglected. And so the common denominator that it seems to always be is they started neglecting those things that keep our hearts tender to the Spirit and in love with Christ. And they see them as unimportant, maybe even as boring. And Mm -hmm. I want to be honest, at times there's something very common, something very boring to the common means of grace. There are moments, a lot of moments, where I get up in the morning And you probably feel the same way. Not really interested in reading my Bible. 100%. Yeah. I'm thinking about all the tasks of the day. And so spending time in prayer seems to be almost a waste of time. But when you get into that routine of neglecting those common means of grace, your heart begins to be calloused. And it's no surprise that we begin to drift at those moments. So I think uh, what's going to happen this coming Lord's Day at our church and what happens at every gospel preaching church is so important. Because Hebrews 3, just a chapter later, says, We should exhort one another daily, lest any of us be hardened or callous through the deceitfulness of sin. That's great. I've often heard the theory that, or the question, does apostasy even exist? Because technically, if someone falls away from the faith, isn't it true that they were never saved to begin with? Can you talk just a little bit about that? And this is completely unprepared question. My personal belief is what we see in the book of Hebrews is this warning against these Hebrews, um, many of them believers, it's written to believers, but some of them not true believers who have, maybe they've been seekers, maybe they have, we're told in Hebrews 6 that they've actually tasted of the heavenly gift, they've experienced some of the community of when the Holy Spirit meets with his people. He is present with his people when they gather on Lord's Day for worship. They've tasted a lot of this. They've been exposed to a lot of it, yet they have not completely trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I believe apostasy is a category of people who are never truly born again, that no believer can truly apostatize. So with this whole deconstruction conversation that we just had, there isn't a possibility of people truly departing from the faith, completely deconstructing who are really born-again believers. However, I do believe that the scriptures are replete with warnings, reminders that as believers we can become cold, become calloused, wonder, and drift. Now, will that drifting ever lead to complete deconstruction, complete apostasy? I don't believe so if you're truly born again. However, Hebrews 12 tells us that the Lord treats us because he loves us as sons, as daughters, and he will give us corrective measures in order to bring us back. There's something called chastisement in the scriptures. And I do believe that there are believers, according to 1 John chapter 5, according to 1 Corinthians 11, that they're ultimately lost their life, maybe their health, maybe other things that the Lord took away from their life that have become idols in their life to get their attention Mm -hmm. because they were wondering. So I do believe that possibility of believers who neglect the means of grace and they wonder why their heart's cold. Remember in 
a revelation where the Lord speaks to the church at Ephesus and he says, I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. And so there's this real possibility, as the hymn writer says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And my heart is constantly, by default almost, wanting to wonder, Mm. wanting to go its own way, wanting to lean on its own understanding. And if I didn't have the regular confrontation of the word on my personal devotions and prayer life, and then that means of grace of gathering with the church every Sunday and knowing that I have brothers and sisters that if I begin to wander away from the truth are going to speak truth into my life, it frightens me where I would be mm-hmm. if I didn't have the church, if I didn't have brothers like you, if I didn't have others that surrounded me, that when my heart starts to wander, I, I know that there are going to be others that will speak truth to me. Yeah, and I almost think as well, you don't have to be saved for God to do work in your heart. Sometimes you can personally make a choice to deconstruct the work that God is already doing in your heart, even though you know you haven't fully accepted Christ. And so there is that deconstruction element involved as well. Yeah, right. And another common denominator you hear oftentimes is people who are deconstructing. I can't show the air quotes um, on the podcast, but when they're deconstructing, they're often have been hurt by someone. They've they've watched someone who was self-righteous, hypocritical, weren't consistent in their teaching. They had no grace that they gave. And many times people that are, again, in the, in the lane of deconstruction, um, they've gotten their eyes off of Christ. I mean, the truth of the matter is they're going to be hypocrites in every church in every section of Christianity until Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. They're going to be uh, people who aren't truly saved, and they're going to be people who demonstrate sinful attitudes, um, sinful words, and they hurt and they divide. But Hebrews 2 again says, or Hebrews 12 rather, says, keep our eyes on the author and finish of our faith, even Jesus Christ. And I think one of the reasons why you see so much of this deconstruction in the church has to do with we've gotten our eyes off of Christ and we've gotten our eyes on on leaders who fail and they demonstrate they're sinners, uh, many times saved by God's grace, but they fall and they fail us and they disappoint us. And um, one of the things we're learning in Judges is that um, we can never keep our eyes on any spiritual leader. Even when God chooses to use one, we can't put our ultimate confidence in any spiritual leader or church leadership. We put our confidence in Christ alone. Amen. So this episode was to start potentially going to be about three minutes long because we were planning to potentially yeah. preview. And then you started talking about the dolphins, or was that me? <laughs> that was you. You asked me about the dolphins <laughs> and I talked about them. But I think we rounded out some really great topics already just in this short conversation. I have one more thing that I wanted to bring up about uh, recent state EBVC and yeah. our church family, and then we can get into previewing. One of the things I'm assuming you watched on your trip, the church service from last week. Yeah, that was great. I was With the so, panel? Yeah, I was so blown away by these young people that went over to Utah and shared the gospel many, 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 many times to a bunch of people. And I, I just wanted to share that it really warmed my heart to see all of their reactions, to see how impacted they were by this trip. Um, I've been trying to evangelize to someone near me, and I've been taking a path with uh, some guidance from a class that we took last summer at church. 
And I realized that I maybe do it a little differently again if I had to do it all over. No question, I would continue with the the course and the class and the structure behind that, but I would start off a little differently. And what I heard loud and clear from the the teens and the youth last week was personalizing and just getting to know the individual and getting to understand where they're at in their own faith, even if they don't have a faith, mm. right? Just understanding where they are and expressing empathy. And that's not part of the class that I took. It's more about just diving right into the gospel yeah, right. and what the gospel means instead of really sitting and listening and, and hearing where someone's at. Because if you ultimately hear where someone's at, it might guide you in how you share the gospel a little differently. And uh, I just, again, wanted to share for the teens and the folks that would be listening to this podcast that stood up on stage in that panel, really appreciate them being willing to express themselves and obviously share the gospel as much as they did out in Utah. Yeah, it was so good. It was convicting. It was challenging. Uh, my son wasn't able to be there because we were away, but we watched the live stream and uh, he'd been sharing with us from the time I picked him up late that night when they got back from their trip to Salt Lake City, just what he had learned. And over and again, he said, Dad, it wasn't that they just taught us to go out and give the gospel. He said they, they taught us how to ask questions, mm -hmm. how to have conversations. And he said, I got to the point where I'm, he said, I was still nervous, but he said, I did it so much and I... I started feeling confident that I can really engage people to find out what they believe, why they believe it. And those three questions that they shared mm -hmm. at the service last week, yeah, I was really taken back. I was convicted by my own son's growth and boldness <laughs> in desire to give the gospel. So I was really excited that the Lord gave them that privilege. But then to see them so boldly challenging all of our congregation, I thought the panel approach that Matt Ostro, Pastor Matt, or Pastor Students put together was really, yeah. it was different. And then he gave a great devotional at the end. So we still got a, a proclamation of the word. And, and then there were prayer time afterwards. The whole day was good. Absolutely. I loved it. And by the way, I feel your pain about conviction when your son is growing because I see that every day with my own son. So yeah, yeah, it's amazing, but super encouraging, you know, and there's nothing wrong with miss mission trips that go and do service projects. They paint something or they build a wall. All those things are, are fun, hands-on opportunities for our young people to exercise selflessness and a servant spirit like mm -hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ. But I do think there's something to say about placing them in, in spaces where they are equipped and they actually are able to verbalize the gospel to others yeah. and see church planting really close up and to understand that there are places in the United States now that are humongous mission fields and the need for gospel proclamation and church planting is so important. Yeah, it was just a great day um, and I'm hopeful that we'll see uh, many more teams that will go out and be able to experience it as well. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to take what they learned and bring it back to EBBC. That'd Absolutely. Be awesome. And to that point, they're already trying to make some plans, I understand, through the youth group to do some of that right here in Chester County. Nice. Well, we have a couple minutes, unfortunately, to go through and preview what is in store for the next few episodes. So, I'm going to hand it to you to start, Brian. What would you like to share with our listeners about what's coming in the next few weeks? Yeah, this series is going to take 
maybe four or five weeks. And hopefully we'll have someone that we can interview um, that will kind of tie it all together at the end. But really a passage of scripture that has captured my attention on this topic is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Right now, Ryan, there's so many crosswinds of human philosophies that are unfortunately taking not just unbelievers by captive, that's to be expected because there's no spiritual light within those who don't know Christ, but to see Christians being taken captive by these philosophies is sad, it's concerning, and we've often asked folks on our Facebook site, what would you like to hear about? And top of the list was, can you deal with some of these philosophies? What about social justice versus racial justice? What about LGBTQIA+, what about gender theory, what about wokeness and critical race theory and all of those? So I believe we will be able to capture these. And what I wanted to title the series, if you're okay with it, and I think you are, (laughs) is from Carl Truman's excellent book, The Triumph of the Modern Self. And he has a chapter entitled Plastic People in a Liquid World. And I think that kind of encapsulates what's taking place. This didn't happen overnight. And so in these series of episodes, I'm hoping we'll be able to deal with, should Christians be woke? Is social justice and biblical justice the same thing? Mm. What about gender theory? What about LGBTQ? And how do we deal with the individual versus the ideology? And um, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover some of these major crosswinds that we're experiencing in our culture together through these series of episodes. I think I shared this either last episode or the episode before about our talk with Oz Guinness and this march through our institutions is a topic that I think is going to tie nicely to what we'll be talking about here in the next few weeks. And the march through the institutions is real and it's been going on for a long time. And it'll be exciting to talk about that. Yeah, right. And I think that title that we're using from his chapter, Truman's title of Plastic People in a Liquid World, talks about this shift that we didn't experience as teenagers, but now it's become somewhat dogma in our culture. And it's this, the authority of our inner feelings. So if I feel something, being authentic is adjusting my life and everybody needs to adjust around me, whatever I feel inside. Whereas we used to go to school and they were basically telling us, you don't know how to operate in a society and we're going to teach you (laughs) how you should conform to societal norms so that you can conform to the kind of standard that lives for others and not yourself. Mm -hmm. That's been reversed now. And people believe that authenticity, truly being true to yourself, is living and making the world somewhat be watching you perform as you give way to whatever you feel inside. And so that's where the title of Plastic People Living in a Liquid Culture comes from, and I think it's fascinating. It'll kind of be a nice umbrella, I think, for this series. Yeah, I love that. Looking forward to it. Great. Well, we jam-packed this episode with a lot of great content, so looking forward to this conversation over the next few weeks. Yeah, me too. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Join us next time for more Scripture and Plain Reason. God's Word is true, and God's Word is clear. 